You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome into the first Yanks Go Yard Podcast of the new year, January 5th. Many podcasts probably already got their first podcast of the year out, but, but not us. That's okay. It's Thursday, January 5th, one day before January 6th. That's Friday. And we are excited to talk about the New York Yankees. They've Made some additions to the outfield mix. Minor league deals, interesting contracts. We'll break those down. And uh, it's pretty obvious they're going internal or these guys to start the year. So we'll break down what exactly it means to bring Rafael Ortega, Willie Calhoun, and Billy McKinney into the fray. We'll also talk about Brian Cashman's support group, otherwise known as Brian Sabian, three-time World Series champion, GM of the San Francisco Giants who came up with the Yankees helped build the core four and is now coming back to be a special advisor angry at the Giants for how little they used him in his role previously as an advisor there people hate the new San Francisco Giants regime and love the Yankees and this guy's all about winning the World Series we'll talk more about that plus the Red Sox actually did it they brought Rafael Devers back long term they had to do that but it still kind of felt like they might not be doing that and alas they did so we'll break down what that means for the next 11 years of Rafael Devers folks make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify wherever you get your podcast drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question in that review we will be more than happy to answer it you can find us obviously on all podcast platforms or live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays two o'clock eastern typically this it's it's 11 in the morning today we've got a lot going on we want to get this podcast out early for all of y'all but typically back to normal next week mondays thursdays 2 p.m 
Eastern time. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. I had a very sad day yesterday. Went to a funeral and, and saw my cousin and she and I were catching up for the first time in, in quite a long time. And and I mentioned I do a Yankees podcast and, and another live podcast that, uh, video feed. And she said, well, that's not a podcast then. And I said, well, you know, it's, it, the audio comes out later. And, but also there is a video component. And she said, do enough people watch to make this worth anyone's time? And I, I said, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we got an audience. We got an audience. A lot of people listen to the audio feed. Uh, but welcome to the show. That's uh, that's what we're dealing with. And uh, the New York Yankees future seems pretty bright and, and got a little brighter uh, in the past couple days. I, I really like the Sabian move. Uh, and I kind of like these outfield additions, even though it's making me resign to the fact that, like, all right, opening day is Aaron Hicks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Yeah, where should we start? I mean, uh, first of all, Happy New Year, folks. Here we are, 2023. New dreams, new hopes for the Yankees season. Um, start with the signings since those happened first, right? Yeah. Um, sorry, I just clicked it um send them out of here bring them back yeah some technical issues um first came willie calhoun formerly of the rangers uh this doesn't do a whole lot for us but you look back to his 2019 he played in 83 games that year hit 21 bombs 848 ops 110 ops plus that's pretty cool uh is there look juice ball year 2019 very famous for that uh, could have been a component in his success that season. Um, I don't know much of his history, if injuries derailed what he was doing or the Rangers were simply just using other people um, because he only played 29 games in 2020, um, batted 190 with a 36 OPS plus. So I'm sure at that point the Rangers were not willing to wait any longer during a shortened season that was half the year. Um 75 games in 2021, 22 games in 2022, and he was either traded or just sent to the Giants and whatever a DFA situation was. Uh, heading into his age 28 season, um, look, guys, we're going to keep pounding the pavement here, telling you what the reality is. Trade market hasn't materialized. There is nobody really out there 
um, in free agency that is elevating the offering in terms of what the Yankees need in left field. And they're trying to remain under that $293 million tax threshold, the Steve Cohen threshold, um, because then you start getting an insane amount of dollars taxed uh, after that final uh, tier. So this might be what we're dealing with. Uh, after Ortega signed, uh, uh, yeah, well, we'll get into Ortega in a second, but after they made the second dealing, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point that we're probably going to have to wait till the trade deadline for left field to sort itself out. I don't see why that it would be any different. Um, and again, the Yankees have internal options. Aaron Hicks is not coming anywhere in the meantime. Chris Kirshner just dropped a mailbag this morning um, talking about how the interest on the trade market in Donaldson and Hicks is essentially non-existent. That shouldn't surprise you for all the delusional people out there thinking that we can offload them, either eat salary or attach a top prospect. Um, the, the Yankees don't do that. Um, I don't see why that would change in uh, 2023, especially in a year where they're trying to covet as many prospects as possible after offloading a ton at this year's deadline. And when they're trying to save as much money as possible after spending what $500 million this off season um, uh, over that $530 million this off season. So um, you got Calhoun. Uh, I don't know how inspiring this is for you guys. Uh, he is, a full-time left fielder. All of his 163 games in the field have come in left field. Uh, during his uh, tenure in MLB, he debuted back in 2017. Ortega, Rafael Ortega, was the second signing here, uh, formerly of the Cubs. Um, the last two seasons, he was a revelation in 2021. Um, uh, played in 103 games, batted 291 with an 823 OPS, 121 OPS plus, hit 11 homers, 33 RBIs, stole 12 bases, um, and played multiple outfield positions, uh, right field and left field, um, and center field. Played all three, uh, but mostly a center fielder, fielder here, so um, that's kind of where we have to uh, tread lightly. Uh, most of his career games have come in center, 154 out of his 307, but 105 in left. Um, I don't really know what he offers at this point. His resume is very unclear, Uh Debuted in 2012, didn't appear back in MLB until 2016, didn't play in 2017, played in 2018 and 2019 with the Marlins and the Braves, but only a total of 75 games. Didn't play in 2020, then came back with the Cubs. Entering his age 32 season, I don't know how um, inspiring how, how inspiring this is for the Yankees at this point, but hey, at, the, at this rate, you foster some sort of competition, right? You put the pressure on guys like Aaron Hicks, who... Aaron Hicks needs to prove something. He needs to show that he's either a starting outfielder or should be the first guy off the bench. Um, and then you have Billy McKinney, who was here for a little bit before his trade to the Blue Jays back in 2018. Um, what deal did he come in from the A's with the Yankees? Was that? No, he was uh, he was Chapman. He was in the Glaber Torres Cubs trade. Oh, my God, he was. So he never played with the Cubs. He never logged an MLB game at the club. He he logged two MLB games at the Yankees in 2018 yeah. and then was traded to the Blue Jays. And then he had that moment with the Brewers and the Mets in 2021. This is weird. Um, yeah. yeah, he's been everywhere. The, the man has been truly home. been everywhere. Uh, former first-round pick, in case you guys didn't know, back in uh, 2013 of the Oakland A's. Um, 
the defense here is is good, um, I, I, at least based on what what I've seen out of McKinney and his uh, in his part time duty over the last few years. Um, mostly a corner outfield guy, 115 games in right, 89 in left um, over the course of his 193 uh, big league games. Um, again, fostering competition here. None of these guys have a leg up on anybody else, in my opinion, in in this in this uh, crop of players at the moment. Um, and we keep hearing Oswaldo Cabrera could be an option out there. I don't know. We're not even hearing that. It's just people uh, doing process of elimination when it comes to left field. Hey, who can they trade for? Oh, nobody. Okay, cool. Well, here are the internal options, and then here are a bunch of low-risk, high-reward options they signed. Um, the Yankees, in large part, in my opinion, are done making big moves. Um, unless there is a trade that pops up that we uh, weren't expecting um, or that falls right into their lap in which they can unload some salary, um, acquire someone who's cost uh, cost controlled for the next few years and still keeps them under that $293 million number. Um, we can expect to see a healthy uh, mediocre competition for left field and spring training. Um, and that's going to be that. And then the season will come into focus April, May, and June, the Yankees will make decisions on whether or not having whatever they have in left field is sufficient. And then I think we'll maybe see something happen at the trade deadline. Kirshner also mentioned that it appears as if the Cubs are just going to hang on to Hap, regardless of if he signed to an extension or not. They obviously made a number of moves, right, guys? Uh, they brought in Cody Bellinger. They brought in Dansby Swanson. Um, they brought in Tucker Barnhart, but I don't know how much that matters. Um, either way, they kind of did a little bit of a makeover. I think they want to see what they have, uh, before they start getting rid of guys, um, in what kind of is an open NL central. I know the Cardinals are good, but, um, uh, they, they don't seem like a sure, I think their pitching has some holes. Um, you saw them flame out in the playoffs in the manner in which they did not very inspiring, so uh, the Cubs are taking a chance. Uh, you got to hope for them to kind of plummet in the first half for them to sell. Hap is the perfect fit, in my opinion, for the Yankees at this point. If the Yankees are going to go all in on left field, I think it's got to be him. But in the meantime, this is what we got, man. This is it. I'm uh, definitely a sucker for pain, but I like the Ortega signing a lot. Uh, as much as I can like something that just materializes like this. Like, I'm, I'm not rebuilding my whole offseason around Rafael Ortega, but – that said, he is one year removed from breaking out at the age of 30, hitting 11 bombs, 33 ribs, 291, 360 OBP, 823 OPS, and a 121 OPS plus in 103 at-bats, 330 plate appearances for the Cubs. That's a non-zero number. I'm not talking about – I mean, yes, I am talking about a 30-year-old rookie, right? I'm not talking about somebody with a long track record or a borderline 30-year-old rookie. He technically – vaulted over the at-bat threshold uh, during his time in 2016 with the Angels and 2018 with the Marlins and 2019 with the Braves. Rafael Ortega has been in a lot of places. But the last two years, he's found it. That 121 OPS plus season, uh, 95 OPS plus last year in his you know second chance at it with the Cubs, seven bombs, 35 RBI, got squeezed out because the Cubs have every intention of having a stronger outfield next year. They have Cody Bellinger alongside Ian Happ alongside a, a full season of say Suzuki they think and and that's great uh, and, and right now that's a certainly a, a, a more complete trio than what the Yankees have to play with 
even though the Cody Bellinger video, I saw a pretty damning video on MLB Network over the weekend where Tom Verducci broke down his swing and, and basically posited that he's never gotten the power back after dislocating his shoulder in the 2020 World Series yeah. celebrating. And maybe that's true, but he does look late as shit on everything. And, and Godspeed to Cody Bellinger, but he's been pretty terrible since then. So who knows? Uh, but I like Ortega a lot. I don't want to enter 2023 with Ortega as my starting left fielder. But in terms of which player do I think is more likely to make the team, make the roster, I think Ortega is probably the guy. Uh, because, again, it wasn't that long ago that we saw it. It was a 30-year-old breakout competent MLB player in 2021. Uh, the metrics don't love the hard hit and the average exit velo, but he's elite at taking walks, 90th percentile, elite at not swinging and missing, 82nd percentile and whiff rate, strikeout percentage, 57th chase rate, 70th. He, he's, he doesn't strike out. He takes his walks. He's a money ball guy. He's coming into his own past the age of 30. I don't know how much more great Rafael Ortega you get, but the Yankees are trying to maximize it. And even in his down year last year, wasn't that bad. Uh, Billy McKinney, I don't even really want to give the time of day to, I'm going to be honest, just doesn't do it for me. Uh, we'll see at the minor league level. We'll see if we need somebody to fill in uh, during the regular season. Willie Calhoun, uh, Yankee fans are already on the Willie Calhoun train. Uh, former top prospect, yes. Top 100 prospect, yes. Traded by the Dodgers to the Rangers for you, Darvish. Had that juice ball breakout year. Bats from the right side of the plate. And by the right side, I mean the correct side. I mean the left side of the plate. Uh, but he is uh, he's a strange man. He's at a strange journey. Uh, a lot of people are excited that he said uh, coming to the Yankees was sort of like, well, every kid's dream come true, putting on the pinstripes in his introductory tweet. I can get down with that, too. He was a Giants fan. Said that last year when he joined the Giants. So, uh, you know, every kid's dream. I mean, your dream is to join the Giants. We don't, we don't really need to hear that from you. And uh, Calhoun's had a weird career. Hit in the face by a fastball. Yes. Shattered his jaw. Correct. That did happen to him. Uh, when Willie Calhoun was demoted to the minors before the 2019 season out of spring training, uh, this courtesy of 12up.com, a good website and one that uh, <laughs> you probably would love to read. Uh, he was sent to AAA Nashville. He responded to being demoted to the minors and not making the opening day roster by asking out of the lineup and then wandering onto the grass in center field beyond the fence and just lying there for three hours. So, yeah, power nap. So, I mean, that's that that might not be Willie Calhoun, who among us hasn't had a bad day, but that also is a part of the picture there. So just so you know, uh, if he does not make the opening day roster, maybe he goes and uh, the Yankees don't really have grass out there at their spring training facilities. He would have to lie on the highway, which is counterproductive. So hopefully he hopefully shows out, makes the roster or uh, gets traded and we don't have to see another meltdown. But Good luck to good luck to Willie. Good luck to, to Billy, and good luck to Rafael. I, I'm a Rafael Ortega guy, all things considered. Uh, let's talk Brian Sabian because we actually just got breaking news, breaking on the wire. Uh, the A's added Brian Sabian a few days ago to, to be a special advisor to Brian Cashman. They also just added Omar Minaya, the Mets GM and the Expos GM, it, per Jack Curry, who is now unhacked and is back to tweeting about the New York Yankees. Uh, I think this is real because he said uh, Curry regained his account last night and tweeted testing one, two, three. So he's, he's here now. 
Omar Minaya is uh, this is exactly the kind of prank that would have been a good idea when he was hacked. Yeah. Omar Minaya, the former GM of the Mets and Expos, joining the Yankees as an advisor to the baseball ops department. Curry says savvy hire by the Yankees. I feel like he probably has to say that. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on Omar Minaya, although there's a reason he's been in baseball for this long. But uh, Sabian really does it for me. Um, that is uh, out of left field. I did not expect the Yankees to bring Brian Cashman back, then bring back old lieutenants from the old days and the dynasty building years to, to come and reinforce the team's desire to win a World Series. But Sabian departed the Yankees for the Giants in 93. Cashman in 2018 credited him with being one of the main engine drivers behind the development of the core four, scouting them and scouting Bernie Williams. Add that to the package. So people credit Stick Michael, and rightly so, for putting those Yankees together. But apparently, according to Cashman, according to those who were there, Sabian was also a big part of that. He left for the Giants at that point, was the Giants GM for nearly 20 years, oversaw the 2010, 2012, and 2014 World Series champions. So since Sabian left the Yankees, they've won in 96, 98, 99, 2000, 2009. But since the year 2000, Sabian 3, Cashman 1. So that's worth noting. And uh, he apparently was uh, elevated to this advisory role with the Giants, but felt somewhat disrespected, felt like he didn't have as much input on the new administration as he thought he might. When his contract came up, he reached out to the Yankees personally to see if they'd be interested in him coming aboard. They were interested in, in it enough to make it happen. Brian Cashman did not object. And on his conference call introduction, he said, uh, I'm here to help this team win a World Series. He's blunt about it. His goal is helping the Yankees win the World Series. Should go without saying, could be lip service, but have you heard that from other members of the Yankees brass in recent years? I haven't heard that nearly enough. So I'm very excited about this. I am too. I think it's I think it's a precursor for what's to come in the Yankees front office, right? For far too long, correct me if I'm wrong, this front office has been solely led by Brian Cashman with no dissenting opinion, no dissenting voices. Uh, and if there were dissenting voices, they were swiftly overruled, as you can see with the Gallo trade, as you can see with the Sonny Gray trade. Um, there were doubts, among others, about these deals. Cashman didn't care. Um, Cashman went and did what he did. Cashman, is he bad at his job? No. Um, could we see a little bit more? Absolutely. I think that when you have a front office, it's a little bit irresponsible to have one person, um, one person's philosophy ruling the day. Um, obviously there are exceptions. Andrew Friedman in Los Angeles, when you're doing, when you're doing shit for eight years and it's working, uh, and you're constantly a behemoth, that's great. That's a different story when you're the Yankees and there's been very little success since 2010, something's got to give here. I think that you bring in, uh, I don't want to say uh, Sabian's an, a, an executive alpha, but he certainly has the experience, maybe outside, uh, a little bit more experience than Cashman from, you know, from uh, a career standpoint, where he started, where he ended up, what he's achieved recently. Um, who's next? Yankees going to bring in Andrew Tate for the full on alpha experience. Just no. start. <laughs> Uh, yeah, change all the menu items to raw steak. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Uh, and Manaya, I think, look, 
Minaya got heat for what he did with the Mets, right? He did a good job, and then it kind of flamed out. There were some whatever decisions at the end um, that didn't sit well with the Mets uh, with Mets fans. You got to remember, Will Ponds were calling the shots there. Um, they kind of they, they kind of were the they were the engine that was driving a lot of the decision making and perhaps holding Minaya back from what he wanted to do. Um, so once again, I think that you have these experienced baseball minds in the same room from different walks of the league, uh, different levels of success, more recent success when you talk uh, Sabian situation. Um, and remember that Giants team was more kind of vibes than it was just big spending. They got guys in the room who were uh, kind of, were very much team players, were very much leaders in the clubhouse, were very much uh, conditioned to perform um, in these high pressure situations constantly. They did it once again, three times in five years. That's and that's an incredible achie- achievement. And we talk of the Yankees of yesteryear, how they did it from you know, 98 to 2000. Uh, so you want to kind of get that imprint on the organization back. You need that, you need that, um, you need that type of energy. You need that type of, um, experience when you're building a championship squad. And I think that that's lost its importance in the Yankees organization over the last 10 to 15 years. Um, I don't know why, maybe it was just uh, bad luck with prospects, um, also some bad luck in free agency, some just straight up bad free agency decisions. Um, but now with Cashman having this, having different voices in his ear, I think that it will kind of bring what we actually need to do into focus a little bit more as opposed to him just making decisions unilaterally and overruling all the underlings. Uh, now you have some guys who have a ton of experience in the league that were on his level or above his level that can either talk him down, provide advice that maybe he wasn't thinking of, whatever it is. I love it. I like more voices. I like more opinions. And I, I think that that's going to get the Yankees on track to where they need to be. John Heyman just said the, the quiet, subtle part out loud, too, uh, in announcing the Mania thing, which was not a Jack Curry hack. It was real. That happened. Uh, he confirmed it. Uh, and uh, he says, both are proven scouting gurus, and this seems to be an attempt to balance their analytics-heavy front office. Yeah. In which case, great, because uh, uh, analytics is no longer the future. Analytics is the present. Every mm-hmm. winning team uses analytics to make decisions. That said, whoever the analytic decision makers in the Yankees front office were, not working. More often than not, swinging and missing. When they were connecting, they weren't supplementing that analytical knowledge with superstars, with financial overreaches, with the kind of things that seem a little crazy until they end up being the missing pieces that take a team from contention to championship. So uh, anything to vary up the voices that are coming out of that front office is a good thing. And hopefully it works, obviously, no shit. Uh, but hopefully the, the two new hires stick around and we don't hear about another clash of ideology and, and Cashman winning out again. Uh, the Astros are always cited as the most, like, well, they're analytically driven and they win a bajillion games. Yes, of course, true, correct. But uh, their owner, uh, Jim Crane, fired the GM last year because he felt he was making too many analytical decisions. So clearly there are some non-analytics only people in that front office and that leadership group that have combined to lead this team uh, to 107 wins, annual 100 plus wins, and being the obvious 
stepping stone that you have to get over to win the American League and win a title. Um, I still, I, I don't think Jim Crane should have fired the Astros GM. Feel like that was an overreach, but obviously there are people in that front office who believe that they, you know there is a, a counterbalance to analytics. And for too long, the Yankees didn't believe that. Now it seems like they're maybe trying to see what happens when you bring in experienced winners who, yes, have, have done a good job uh, shrewdly winning trades, at least for Brian Sabian. Uh, people were putting together his trade history from those 2010, 12, 14 Giants. It was the homegrown talent, but it was also uh, these very shrewd deals get Hunter Pence in there. Uh, they feel It felt like he never bet wrong in a five-year span. Uh, so... Not sure why they ousted him in the first place, but welcome. Welcome to New York. Good to have you, Brian Sabian. Speaking of the front office guys who are uh, ownership restricted and analytically driven, Bloom did it. He did it. San Rafael Devers. Yes. Uh, he fucking had to do this. So, I mean, I, I am someone who about – 70% of my tweets are like, of course, good, a good thing happened to the Red Sox. Of course, a good thing happened to Boston. I actually didn't think, no. actually didn't think they were going to extend Rafael Devers. Um, for the first time in a long time, I was doubting the ownership group in Boston, even though they've done so much to give that city four World Series under four different regimes. But they proved me wrong. Good things do ultimately happen to the Boston Red Sox, as always, as per usual. Uh, and the Red Sox don't look like contenders in 2023, but they might be something they don't look like. And even if they're not, the Patriots are going to the playoffs. The Bruins and Celtics have the two best records in their respective leagues and sports. I hate Boston fandom. It's the absolute fucking worst. I'm sorry that one of your four teams might underperform this year. But the Devers thing had to get done. Uh, it changes the calculus uh, pretty significantly. The, the, but for, for the rest of MLB, more so than the Yankees. Right? Because... Hey, it would have been nice for Boston to bottom out and have to replace Rafael Devers for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but you can't count on them losing all three generational superstars as a big market team. They already lost bets. They already lost Bogarts. Those happened. Those won't be undone. Neither of those players are trudging back to Boston with their tails between their legs. So they're gone. The core is worse. The core is just Devers. And Marcello Meyer, whenever he arrives, and he might, he, he very well might arrive. Could be next year at the tail end. Could be the year after. Tristan Casas is there too. Offense will never be a problem in Boston as long as that team exists. This, they play in a stadium for ants. They will always find people who can hit 270 with a 380 OBP and bang flyouts off the green monster and turn them into doubles. That will always, always happen. There will never be a Red Sox team that just can't hit, especially at home. Devers is in that proud tradition of David Ortiz. He is a cornerstone piece. They overextended themselves to make this happen because they had to, because they got backed into a corner and kudos for actually getting the job done and for not putting a third pockmark on your resume. But the Red Sox are going to hit next year. They were always going to hit. They're going to hit three years from now. They still have not found a rotation. They still have are relying on aging Kenley Jansen, the back end of the bullpen they still don't think they're contending next year. So fans can say whatever they want to say. Red Sox fans have earned the right to be cocky and unearned cockiness because you know what? They're fucking right all the time. They win more often than they lose. They bounce back from last place finishes to the top of the pack year after year after year. They love to yo-yo. So if a Red Sox fan wants to be cocky, 
and wants to say this energizes the team for next season, they can say that and they might be right. That said, the team has not fleshed out the rotation the way they should. The team did the bare minimum in extending $330 million to Rafael Devers, something they literally could not live without. And now the Yankees will face a relatively similar Red Sox team to last year's team without Nathan Avaldi and without Xander Bogarts. So overall, uh, a D-plus offseason becomes a C-plus, and Boston retains uh, the lowest-performing member of their title-winning core, the, the, the lowest war annually, and coming off kind of a down year, too, for Devers, who was hurt and who lost his way midway through. So get your Garrett Cole memes out, but uh, this is status quo. Yeah. When, you know, we, you have Red Sox fans celebrating this, I guess, as you should. It, yeah, it needed to happen. happen. If, if it doesn't happen, then you're in trouble. But how much are you going to celebrate this after telling me that re-signing Judge was merely maintaining the status quo and that we're going to be saddled with the end of Judge's contract and how that's not good for us and whatever? This is the first $300 million contract on the Red Sox books, which is embarrassing for however other many teams did it before them. The Padres did it before them. The Mets did it before them. Dodgers did it before them. We did it before them. I'm sure there's one other team that did that did it. Probably not, but it's fun It's fun to imagine and, and, and pretend that that's the case. Um, you look at the rest of this Red Sox team. So keeping Devers maintains the status quo, right? Not really. The status quo should have been 2018. World Series contending roster, all the pieces in place, that should have been what was replicated over the years or just simply maintained. This isn't even maintaining the status quo from the 2021 ALCS team. That team had Xander Bogarts. That team had Kyle Schwarber. Um, that team had uh, other people who could actually do things. Um, the 2022 version was uh, a tra- oh, they had Hunter Renfro, who they, who they traded. Um, so... And then now you look at this version of the team, you lose Bogarts, you lose Eovaldi. Um, your rotation is Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta, Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck. In my opinion, the jury's still out on Brian Bayo. Um, the bullpen improved. Yes, Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, you add to the back end. That certainly helps. You have some promising guys in there, uh, John Triber, uh, Zach Kelly. Um, but is that really going to push you over the edge? This team does not have a starting catcher. This team has to figure out if Tristan Casas is the starting first baseman of the future. I think he is probably right, but we've yet to see anything about that. Uh, Christian Arroyo is a makeshift utility player. I don't know what role he really has on this team. Um, Who's the shortstop second baseman? Where is Trevor Story playing next year? I don't know. That is not clear. Um, So if he plays second base, then who's your shortstop? Um, Uh, this outfield is the definition of mediocre or unproven. You have Masataka Yoshida. You have Alex Verdugo. You have Kike Hernandez. Totally fine. Would I complain about that if that was my team's outfield? I don't think I would necessarily complain. Would I be overly optimistic about it? Absolutely not. You look at the rest of their farm system. They have three prospects in the top 100. One is uh, Marcello Meyer. The other is Casas. Casas is about to make his debut. The other is um, uh, uh, Rafaela, Rafaela, who's number 96 and who is still has a little bit of ways to go. So 
you look at that, they really only have two prospects in the top 100 because Casas should be the everyday starting first baseman in 2023. Um, uh, somehow MLB.com ranked them the 11th best farm system after the trade deadline this past season. And I don't know how that's the case. Um, I you, you don't really ever – I haven't heard anything about the Red Sox top prospects. I know the guys that they got for Vasquez are fairly promising from the Astros. Um but you have the Jeter Downs debacle. You have Connor Wong, who is nothing more, nothing more than a backup catcher, even if that, um, from the Mookie Betts trade. Um, and then you look ahead to free agency, right, for the next few years. This team, after the Devers deal, has at least $110 million committed to the payroll from 2024 to 2028. I do not know how that is possible because who else are they paying outside of Trevor Story? These rising arbitration costs for these other guys, obviously, will factor into it. But – that's not even the problem. The problem is that they just spent on Devers because they had no choice but to spend on Devers. Unless this team does a 180, right? Unless ownership says, you know what, next three off seasons, we're going to spend. If Heim Bloom's decisions start being as successful as his failures were catastrophic, then we're going to see a I mean, it is that he was brought in to make cost effective moves that would keep the Red Sox competitive and have them reduce payroll. And all he's done is reduce payroll and make this team worse. And 2021, regardless of what you say, is an outlier. Um, that was a team that that was operating off fives. Yes, you got Kyle Schwarber at the deadline. It kind of uh, it changed the calculus of, how, of that lineup and made it a little bit more threatening. But then you let Kyle Schwarber go instead of just paying him the $80 million. Yeah. I don't see how unless there is. And then even you get into the fact, hey, Red Sox are going to spend the next few seasons. Who are they going to get? They just locked up third base endeavor. So do you go after Machado? There really aren't many other options out there. Do you want to get into the, you want to hop into the, to the I, I, next year's pitching market, I think is promising, but you're going to have to spend a lot of money. Um, and there are some aging options in there. I don't, again, I don't know where the Red Sox truly capitalize or how, I'm sorry. I don't know how and when they capitalize these Devers prime years because the farm system is not as good as these rankings make it out to be just based on what we've seen. Um, I think Myers got two years left in, in the, he has, he has 91 minor league games under his belt or yeah. uh, I'm sorry. This is, supposed to be, this is supposed to be his breakout year. So yeah. we'll see, like we, we will yeah. see what happens. That's a big if that's this year, you look at their farm system and it is a crucial year for certain guys to make the developmental leaps that they need to make. And you know how imperfect and, and uncertain that is. That is rarely ever do you have, unless you're the Dodgers who somehow always seem to get it. Very rarely do you have multiple top prospects break out, expedite their timeline, give you a better future outlook. So the Red Sox need a lot of things to fall into place for this to work. Props to signing Devers. I'm surprised he only took 11. Bogarts just got 11. I don't know how. I mean, technically, I guess it's 12 because you're not counting. Um, are they that they're not counting the 2023 season, right? I got you. Yeah. yeah. So look, I hate the Red Sox. I'm willing to admit the Red Sox kick my ass often. Um, yeah. I'm also willing to be honest here. And uh, this is, this is kind of objective. You just look at the Red Sox situation and it's not very promising. It just, it really is not. You have, you have Chris Martin and Jansen here for two years. You're going to have to ostensibly kind of rebuild the bullpen in, in a year or start thinking about it after next year. Um, you need Casas to hit it off. 
you have no middle infield that's exactly convincing at the moment. And there were trade rumors surrounding Alex Verdugo a couple of weeks ago. So tell me where like this is reinvigorating some sort of hope with the Red Sox fan base because I don't see it. Yeah, exciting for you. you. You kept one of your guys. Good job. Good job. Uh, you know, saying goodbye to Rafael Devers would have left this team absolutely bereft and in last place. And you can't have that. But uh, bringing him back doesn't do much other than just make you excited to, to, to welcome one of your dudes back home. But again, in another week, it's back to work. And there were rumors that they were going to trade Rafaela in a package for the Marlins pitching, like Pablo Lopez and Trevor Rogers. And to that, I say, go ahead and do that. Do that. Pablo also, Lopez, not great. Really quick here. Um, there are multiple teams that beat the Red Sox out beyond what I said in $300 million contracts. You have the teams that I mentioned, then you have the Rangers. Don't forget about Corey Seager. You have the Marlins. Don't forget, they signed Giancarlo Santo at $325 million deal before trading him to us. You have the Phillies, who signed Bryce Harper. And, of course, you have the Angels, who signed Mike Trout to that largest contract in MLB history at $426.5 million. So, um, yeah, I would say I would say embarrassing for the Red Sox, who are worth uh, almost – $4 billion or $5 billion. Um, either way, it's in the billions. You can afford a $300 million contract. Should have done it four years ago with Mookie Betts. And you could have afforded Xander Bogarts, too. And then you'd have an infield of Devers, Bogarts, long-term, plus Story, plus Meyer when he's ready, plus Casas. Woo! Woo! What a team. Anyway, you decided to let one of those guys go. Oops. Um, before we sign off, I'm going to talk you guys through uh, three left fielders I'm interested in because I feel like we're going to talk about left field every day till we die and so it's worth just bringing it up in a different vector one more time uh brian reynolds is on the market you guys have heard of him he requires high profile pitching if you want to trade for him the Yankees don't have that we all want the Yankees to trade for brian reynolds they simply do not have that that's a thing that they don't have so you're going to open up another insiders article later this week it'll say the Yankees are interested in brian reynolds but the pirates require pitching and you're going to go great I like Brian Reynolds. Wait, we don't have high profile pitching. And then you're going to move on with your day. Then you're going to wake up the next day and read it again. Stop reading it. Don't read it anymore. It's the same thing until a deal gets done somewhere. The Yankees need a left fielder. You don't want it to be Aaron Hicks as a starter. You don't want it to be Osvaldo Cabrera, who's an infielder. You probably don't want it to be Willie Calhoun, Billy McKinney, or Rafael Ortega. So where's it coming from? Diamondbacks? Sure. Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas, both interesting, but acquiring either of them would make you go, great, we got another fourth outfielder. Or great, we got another top prospect. Great things to have, but not things that are championship level and not things that round out a championship team. I'm looking at the Detroit Tigers and Austin Meadows. I'll be looking at him until he gets traded. Not a natural left fielder, but capable enough to handle the position. Battle tested in the East. He hits better when there are runners on. He hits better when there are runners in scoring position than when there's nobody on base. Base is empty, 251, 317, 767 OPS. 279, 372 OBP, 895 OPS with risk. High leverage, 283, 14 bombs, and a 921 OPS in 301 career plate appearances in that situation. He steps up when it matters it's not just perception it's reality austin meadows did step away from the tires last year to deal with mental health concerns that is a genuine concern uh and we don't know what his status is like after being one of the tires supposed centerpieces of this next 
contending Tigers team featuring Spencer Torkelson. Nope. Eduardo Rodriguez. No. And Austin Meadows last year. Also quite bad. Is he available? Not sure, but the Yankees should inquire on him before moving on. Number two, Austin Slater. The San Francisco Giants, who the Yankees have stolen from time and again, signed Michael Conforto in Mitch Hanniger after not getting Aaron Judge. Mike Yastrzemski is their starting center fielder. Jack Peterson DHs. Austin Slater does not have a position. So is he going to be the Giants' fifth outfielder and backup center fielder, or is he going to go elsewhere? The Giants already maximized this asset. 1.3 B-War and a 119 OPS plus last year in 277 at-bats. 264 average, 366 OBP, 774 OPS, playing mostly center field, winning player. He's been unlocked by somebody else. Now go get him. Uh, Or maybe he's just on the Giants bench all year. Feels like you can entice them. And then there's Alec Burleson of the St. Louis Cardinals. I saw this mention online. Didn't know much about him. He's a top five prospect per MLB pipeline. We're all looking at Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Lars Newbar, who's not available. Juan Yepes, Burleson, currently the fifth outfielder in St. Louis, supposedly, and he is a large man, 6'2", 212 pounds, a little Luke Voidy, and he is a uh, just a hitter, a pure hitter. You want to sacrifice defense? Uh, Alec Burleson, 331 at AAA Memphis last year, 372 OBP, 904 OPS, struck out just 67 times in 432 at-bats in his second pro season last year now you get Burleson it's a lot like getting Alec Thomas I understand that and you you say well we're bringing in a top prospect instead of a winning championship guy with bona fides and Andrew McCutcheon type sure and there is that degree of uncertainty you are acquiring the Cardinals fourth or fifth outfielder I get it but he intrigues me more than O'Neill more than Carlson hopefully costs less and this feels like a place where you can maybe deploy Clark Schmidt you want to trade him Why not swap one of your top 10 prospects for one of theirs, throw in an additional Yankees prospect, Schmidt and a pitching prospect for Alec Burleson makes more sense than surrendering the farm for Jake McCarthy. In my humble opinion, those are my sneaky options for left field. That said, opening day, it's going to be Oswaldo Cabrera. Yep, probably will be. And again, trade deadline will be the time to strike there. I don't know if the Yankees are – I don't disagree with any of these moves. I just – I don't know if teams like the D-backs and Cardinals are going to be willing to give the Yankees a break. And you know the Yankees aren't going to overpay uh, a cent over what the asking price is um, or what they deem to be the appropriate value. Um, so we'll still get creative. We'll be more creative than the left field articles that you're reading. That's that's pretty much all we're trying to say here, guys. Um, we'll, we'll have a little bit more of an open mind instead of continuing to link the Yankees to Brian Reynolds. Um because he's the best option available and he's not agreeing to an extension with the pirates and whatever. Um, so, but that's it. That's friggin' it for today. It's la- first episode last, imagine last episode of 2023. First episode of 2023. Thank you guys for being here. Um, thank you for you, your continued support. Uh, be sure to find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a five-star review. Feel free to ask a question. Um, if you're going to talk shit, just do it on Twitter. Don't do it in the reviews. It's, it's yeah. just not nice to do it in the reviews. We want the positive positive vibes there. We, you can send the negativity on Twitter where it always exists. Um, for today, that's it. We'll uh, have a good weekend, guys. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, I'm Thomas Carinati. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes on Twitter. 
uh adam where can they find you where are you uh, i'm i'm at adam water it's my name and yeah again take the personal attacks directly to twitter that's what the platform's for we're right there <laughs> we're not hiding uh yanks go yard fs is the twitter handle for the site you got content going up there all day all week all weekend long please join us all off season long all regular season long all big moments long we'll be going live when you need us but more likely you'll find us two o'clock eastern mondays and thursdays today Thanks for catching us at 11 a.m. If you were here, some of you were, and that was great. But regularly, 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays, Thursdays, all off-season long and on the YouTube channel uh, and all podcast platforms. Until next time, we will see you all on Monday, normal time, same time, same place. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.